if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. As we continue in hour two right now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It is a Tuesday, the 26th morning of the fifth month of the year of our, uh, of our Lord 2020. And our cavalcade of outstanding guests continue now. We had Congressman Jim Jordan this morning. We had former uh, Plain de- Dealer editorial page, Deputy Director Kevin O'Brien. And now, of course, since it's Tuesday, you know what that means. It's Kersenow Day. Peter Kersenow joining us. He is a Cleveland attorney, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He's the host of the Kersenow Report. He's a best-selling author, columnist for National Review, and probably more things that we don't have time to list. Big Pete, how are you, my friend? Yeah, doing great, Bob. It's 109 days until the NFL opens up, and they're saying that they plan to have full stadiums there. I'll, you know, I'll uh, believe it when I see it, but that's at least an encouraging sign that they're thinking along those ways, and I'm hopeful that Major League Baseball follows suit pretty soon and uh, opens up pretty quickly. Peter Kersenow, what race are you? Well, geez, um... I must not be black. Um, <laughs> no, no, don't steal my punchline. We've got to work our way through this here, Pete. Let me help you since you apparently don't know what race you are. Um, hey, Pete, do you be- believe in uh, big government? I do not, no. Uh, you ain't black. And, and, but it's, Pete, do that? you believe? No, 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 no. I've got a series of questions for you here. If you do not believe in big government, right, you say you do not? I do not. Okay. And you ain't black. Uh, Pete, do you believe in uh, the uh, Paris Climate Accord? No, I do not. And you ain't black. Pete, do you believe in open borders? Definitely not. And you ain't black. Pete, do you believe in um, the uh, lockdown of, uh, of all big cities and states due to the coronavirus? No, I do not. And you ain't black. All right, obviously you see where I'm going with this. I, I'm stunned, Peter Kirsten. I was just going to list a whole bunch of Democratic talking points off the top of my head or or, or, or uh, issues on their platform and, and just run through these. Because if you don't agree with Joe Biden on all of these things, as you know, the rest of that story uh, was from this interview uh, that he did with Charlemagne the God, a radio show host. Um, and, and, and this line just continues to stagger. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump. And you ain't black. Pete, I, I, I don't know that there's anything that is more insulting. Now, I'm not black. You've got that, those creds. Um, 
from a white guy's perspective, I don't know that there's a better way to insult an entire race of people, the black population or black voters, than what Joe Biden just did, saying you don't think for yourself, you don't, you don't have a, uh, you're not entitled to your own ideology, you're not entitled to your to your own, um, you know, morals and and your own issues and so on and so forth. It's just that if you are black, you vote for me, and if you don't, well, then you're a traitor to blackness. You're not really black, Pete. I don't know that there's any more insulting words I think that you can say about a race of people. You'd have to think really hard, Bob, to think about something more insulting, but it's not, you know, this is not unusual. We hear this quite often, maybe in more subtle phrasing, but it happens quite often when you listen to the Democratic Party and their handmaidens in the media, which means 90% of the media, unfortunately, there's a presumption that if you're a particular race, and it's not just blacks, I mean, you know, if you're Hispanic, you're supposed to think a certain way about open borders. If, uh, you know, you're a woman, you're supposed to think a certain way about, uh, and by the way, this is really interesting with respect to, you know, we saw what happened with Joe Biden and Tara Reid and how the media and everybody else, all of a sudden, the Me Too movement disappeared overnight. Well, this is something quite similar, because what you saw, uh, and I'm going a little bit off, off tangent here, but the same day that Joe Biden says, you know, if uh, you have trouble figuring out voting for me or Trump, you ain't black, um, the Washington Post almost immediately came out to say, this is no big deal, nothing to see here. It was stunning. And you can imagine if Trump said something even remotely close to this. In fact, what they try to do with Charlottesville is lie about it to make it seem as if Trump is praising uh, racists, and they completely lie about it, and they know they're lying about it. Um, Look, they've got absolutely no credibility, meaning the left, on this anymore. But, you know, their their media folks are going to continue to propagate the notion that uh, liberals are well-meaning and conservatives, of course, are all racist. When, if you look at the behavior, and I, I, I'm not one to paint an entire group of people a certain way, and that includes progressives, okay? Because uh, I know progressives who are great, wonderful people. But there is a significant portion of those individuals and the political progressives. Clearly, these are folks who maintain. I mean, if if you reduce what their uh, approach to race and sex is all about, you'd have to say they're the greatest racists and sexists around. It's all about identity politics. They're all about, you know, if you are of a certain race, you must think alike, you act alike, you must look alike. It's the essence of racism. It truly is. And the elocution that um, Biden used when he said, you ain't black. You know, it reminds of how Hillary Clinton, when speaking before a black audience, would try to affect what she believed to be a stereotypically black uh, cadence, uh, a black um, uh, elocution of uh, phraseology. And uh, Biden here doing the same thing. About two years ago, Bob, there was a study in... I think it was the Journal of Social Psychology, if I'm not mistaken. And it was done by progressives or those who are progressive-leaning, and they were stunned to find out these results. What they found was that progressives, as opposed to conservatives, when they spoke, when white progressives spoke with blacks, they tended to, quote-unquote, these are the Washington Post's terms in describing this, dumb down their conversation whereas conservatives did not. They spoke with blacks just the way they would speak with whites, Asians, Hispanics. didn't matter what your race or sex was, they spoke to you a certain way. Uh, that wasn't true with respect to progressives. They dumbed it down. For example, they had some uh, examples that showed that if um, they were speaking to 
a, a progressive was speaking to a white person, they may say, uh, well, I feel melancholy, as opposed to speaking to a black person, they say, I feel sad, or using euphoric for a white person versus happy with a black person. Um, and they drew on stereotypes much more often. And, and the people who came up with the study were stunned. In fact, the Washington Post said it was a big surprise that people who are the best intended toward minorities, uh, you know, would do this you know, and, and talk about stereotypes that liberals are best intended toward minorities. I would dispute that. Look, um, you talk yeah, but to Pete, Pete. If I may, hold on. Let's dig a little deeper on that. Um, to them, the best intentions toward minorities is to do everything for them, to hand everything out to them, to to take care of them, uh, because they don't think that minorities can take care of themselves. I mean, it, it is. I think there's some accuracy there. The the yeah. best intended of the progressives is don't worry about it. We got you. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. You just keep voting for us, and we'll give you this because they don't think that minorities are capable of advancing on their own, progressing on their own, uh, ad, uh, uh, achieving on their own. You know, getting promoted on their own, et cetera, et cetera. That's the, there, there's something to that. There there really is yeah. that they they don't think they don't think black people are are able to advance. And to and that's why they talk down to them. It's why they dumb down their language, as you said, because yeah. they feel like they're dealing with inferior minds. It's it's, it's such an incredibly racist mindset, and it's held by the progressive whites. It is. It is. It's, wait, you know what, Bob? Um, it is held by a lot of progressive whites, but this is also something that is held by progressives regardless of color. Okay. You will see this among some blacks and others who maintain that blacks must think a certain way. And I don't know what the motivation for that is. I mean, some of it's a political motivation, of course, most of it is. But there's something else going on there. And I'm not a, not a psychologist, and you know, it would take a long time for us to you know, kind of unpack all the reasoning of that. But let's just stick for the moment with respect to Biden and white progressives. Um, I forgot who it was. I think it was Leon Sullivan, who used to be head of HHS for, I think, Reagan. And he talked about not being on anybody's plantation. I forgot who it was. Someone did something similar about 35 years ago, said something similar. Some, I think it may have been Senator Kennedy, said something similar to what Biden just said. And Leon Sullivan said, I don't live on Ted Kennedy's plantation, or whoever it was who said it, whatever progressive said it. And I think it was yeah. Ken Kennedy. And unfortunately, the Democratic Party has never departed from this supposition that blacks belong on the Democratic plantation, that you can't be black unless you vote for Democrats. You can't be black and you ha unless you hew to certain prog progressive positions. And again, that's very much the definition of racism. But you can blame white progressives for that. Uh, as I said, I would blame a lot of progressives for that. But there's also uh, this notion that uh, among a lot of blacks that you have that uh, you devote your vote and your fealty to Democrats because Democrats are looking out for blacks. And that's a part of a very ahistorical understanding of what's transpired. If you go up to, you know, I sometimes will go into the high schools to teach con law or something of that, uh, something along those lines. But if you go to a lot of progressives, uh, if you go to a lot of blacks and say, okay, I'm going to give you a list of things that have been done over the course of history and who is responsible for them. If they were things that were at least favorable to blacks or were non-discriminatory, they would ascribe that to uh, Democrats. Well, whereas almost all of the seminal occasions, all of the major events, pieces of legislation, what have you, 
involving race in this country and that were redounded to the benefit of blacks and, frankly, everybody, was promulgated by the Republican Party. One time, and I'll make this very brief, Bob, because I know you're probably going to go to a, um, yeah. a break yeah. soon. But yeah, um, very often I go to, you know, I, I go to debates at law schools, whatever. And on one occasion, I was debating affirmative action with a law professor at USC. I'll never forget this. And it's a long story, but I'll, I'll truncate it. Um, at the end of the debate, a bunch of black students, black law students, came down to talk to me, and their minds had been changed, they said. There was a group of about 20 of them. In fact, they initially came there to protest me. Um, and they said, you know, they, we didn't know all these things. They were saying, you know, we didn't know all these things you were talking about. Um, how is it that, but, but nonetheless, um, <clears throat> how is it that we as blacks can support the Republican Party, given the Republican Party's history toward blacks? Now, remember, these are folks, many of whom were second, third year law students, which means that they went through high school, K through 12. They went through college and they're in law school right now. And they said that that gives you an understanding of how a historical their understanding is. Right. My response was it wasn't the Republican Party that opposed the Emancipation Proclamation or the 13th Amendment uh Preventing slavery, or the 14th Amendment guaranteeing equal rights, or the 15th Amendment guaranteeing voting rights. It wasn't the Republican Party that opposed Ted Ro- Teddy Roosevelt's anti-lynching legislation, or that opposed in greater measure the 1957 Civil Rights Act, 64 Civil Rights Act, 65 Voting Rights Act. It wasn't the Republican Party that implemented Jim Crow. It wasn't the Republican Party that had the Ku Klux Klan and its military wing. And you can go on and on and on. And they were stunned by that. Most of them hadn't heard that at all. And, and it's a, it really is a condemnation of our educational system, but it tells you where we stand in terms of mindsets in this country. And the progressives well, and the Democratic Party believe that blacks are a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democratic Party. Exactly. And that, that's what that statement uh, that he made to uh, Charlemagne meant. It, literally, uh, you, you, you belong to us. You belong to us, and if you don't belong to us and you don't agree with us, you're not really black anyway. That is exactly what he said. Pete, by the way, take a deep breath and drop the mic, because that list you just ran down, and I knew you could have kept going, was definitely a mic drop moment. We'll be right back. And all the girlies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. All right, 1025, now we continue with Peter Kirsten. Now, Pete, let's just finish out this until the news a little bit more on Biden. And um, one of the thing, things that strikes me, well, first of all, that wasn't the, uh, the only egregious thing that he said in that interview because he also then went on to say that he has been proudly endorsed by the NAACP uh, many times. And the NAACP immediately said, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? We have never endorsed you once because we don't endorse. We've never endorsed any candidate. But he says that he was endorsed by the NAACP, again, trying to establish uh, his bona fides with the black community. It's just not there. But then the other thing is his apology. I saw a piece on this this morning on the news, and I've seen it online as well. Joe Biden apologizes. Biden's apology, 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 apology. Peter, have you ever heard Joe Biden say, I'm sorry for stereotyping all blacks as being progressive supporters of people like me and questioning their blackness if they don't? All I heard him say was, I shouldn't have been so cavalier. I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. That's not saying I'm sorry, and it's not saying I don't believe the thing that I said. I, I haven't heard an apology, but the uh, the... You know, you mentioned the Washington Post immediately dismissing this as a non-story. Well, those who did accept it as a story are quickly accepting his apology when he never gave one. 
Sure. Uh, you know, it occurs to me as you were speaking there, Bob, that um, you must be black because you and I think a lot alike. It's really amazing. <laughs> so you better check your genealogy there. Go to uh, ancestry ancestry dot com. Well, I was adopted, so there may be some things. That, yeah, there may be some things in my uh, my background I don't know about. So you know, maybe you're right. <laughs> You know, many progressives are just a caricature of what they consider to be a racist, you know, I mean, they, and they don't get it. And the Washington Post and these other media organs that immediately do cover for Democrats, whereas they will try to make something out of whatever a conservative or Republican said that isn't isn't there. Um, <clears throat> there's so much to say about this, but one of them is that, you know, <laughs> Biden in his quote-unquote non-apology apology, I you could really, giving him the benefit of the doubt that he is, you know, not saying something that is fundamentally racist, this is a guy who's got some serious, and, and, and I don't mean to say this in a, a way that attacks him, but it's just an observation that everyone else has seen. He A lot of this may not be because of him necessarily even presuming that blacks own, owe fealty to the Democratic Party, although... I tend to think that's the case. It is a matter of the fact that his his mental faculties quite aren't quite there. Um, his non-apology apology could be a function of the fact that he doesn't know how to think on his feet in the manner of, say, a Donald Trump or even a halfway competent politician. That's something Democrats are going to have to really think about, and it almost compels a Joe Biden now to select a black female running mate. Uh, for a whole host of reasons. But I think one of them is because he is, frankly, he is not his own man. He is somebody who does seem to approach things in a political cookie-cutter fashion. But also from the standpoint of his aides and handlers, they understand that this was such a gigantic gaffe and that he has absolutely no chance, none, of winning in November if he doesn't get significant black support and overwhelming turnout. Now, that was one of his calling cards during the primaries, remember, that when he went to South Carolina, he had overwhelming black support. That put him over um, the other candidates and eventually sure. got him, well, he's, he still doesn't have the nomination, but he's a presumed nominee. So that is he owns that nominee. He owns that no owes that nomination to Clyburn, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's imperative for him to hold on to the black vote, and you're going to see pandering on steroids now in a way that, you know, frankly, I think is going to do harm to him, but he's, he has no option but to do that. And I think news yesterday, Peter, no if I may, just to, to the last point you made about the VP, the news yesterday was that his team is vetting Amy Klobuchar. And, right. and that and that was I can't remember the wording, but I read it in a few places yesterday has uh, the Biden uh, uh, Biden supporters terrified or nervous or something because of what you just said. He can't just go ahead and pick a white uh, woman VP. Right. He's got to go Stacey Abrams or Abrams or Kamala Harris or somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, when I heard this is before he made that comment. But when mm -hmm. back in the early part of last week, when it became apparent that Klobuchar appeared to be the front runner, at least they were vetting her. I thought, right. you know what, that might not be a bad decision on Biden's part. I mean, he's picking somebody who at least isn't doesn't appear to be a wild eyed progressive and seems to be somewhat credible in as far as uh, Democratic candidates would go. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's got an option anymore. And I'd be surprised if he does pick a Klobuchar because Hillary Clinton uh, got five 
four million fewer votes than Barack Obama got in the preceding election cycle, and she lost the election, despite the fact that she got nearly 92% of the black vote. It's imperative now. The only way that Biden can win is if he gets continues to get 92% plus of the black vote and an overwhelming and enthusiastic black turnout. And that comment that he made last Friday doesn't help, and he's going to have to continue to... His, his dilemma is that his now pandering to blacks will turn off some black voters, but also turn off some of the other voters, Hispanic, white, Asian, whatever, that are going to be, frankly, disgusted by his pandering to a particular group. Not that they're right. necessarily pandering to blacks, but pandering to any given to group. Any group. Right. So he is, well, he's in a dilemma right now. Pete, let's take a quick time out of here for news. We'll come back. We've got one more segment with Peter Kirsten now on AM 1420 The Answer. Ten thirty-six now. As we continue, I've got twenty-four minutes of outstanding awesome left for you before we turn it over to Mr. Gallagher at eleven o'clock. Then stay here for Prager. Then stay here for Doctor G, Sebastian Gorka. Then stay here for Jay Secular Live, and Larry Elder will wrap it up for you. The uh, only place for true, honest analysis and conservative news talk without uh, the buffoonery that goes in other places. Peter Kirsten now is not a buffoon. He's with us on AM 1420, The Answer. We continue with one more segment. Hey, Pete, normally you and I just do our thing. <clears throat> Whenever I have you on on Tuesdays, we don't take phone calls. When I got a phone call, I'm told by my call screener, who is an African-American, who says he doesn't care what Joe Biden said. You want to talk to him? Sure. Let's bring him on. Michael in Cleveland wanted to get in here, so let's do it while we're still on this subject. Michael, good morning. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Bob? Good, my friend. Uh, okay, you're on with Pete as well. I figured Pete could be part of this conversation since I saw the, the uh, topic of your phone call. What did you want to Sounds say, Michael? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I don't have a problem with what you said. When it comes down to a comparison between Trump and Biden, what Trump has done. And, and Peter, Peter, come on, man. You, you ain't been black, man, since you met a white person. Everything you say is completely up. Come on, dude. Come on, man. Peter, I don't know if you want to respond to come on, dude, and come on, man, but that's what you got. Well, it sounds like I Joe mean, Biden. That's, come that's on, man. Do. That's, what do. <laughs> that's all he do is criticize. I've never heard him say anything positive about a black person, period. Here's what I say about Joe Biden and Donald Trump in a comparison. Yeah. While Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, unemployment rate among black Americans was three times greater uh, than it was in just the average three years of the Trump administration. During the Trump administration, the unemployment rate for black Americans was the lowest in history. I can tell you this much also. I've spoken to Joe Biden. Uh, I remember testifying before Joe Biden the first time more than 20 years ago. And I'll tell you this. Quite frankly, this is what I've told people when I came back from yeah, testifying the first Trump? time. What, what? Hold on, Michael. Hold on. Hold on. Let Peter what talk, and then you Trump? can... Trump can do no wrong in your world. No, hold on. I, hold on. Hold on. I think Trump can do wrong, but you're talking hold about... On, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Guys, guys, Biden? guys. Guys, let's, let's let Peter finish his thought on Biden after he testified before him, and then, Peter, you can speak to Trump. Go ahead. Sure. After testifying before Trump, before Biden, more than 20 years ago, the takeaway that I had was this was the least intelligent man in the Senate. And that's saying something. And Trump is the smartest. 
and Trump. Yeah, you hold, hold on, Mike. Hold on. He's going to get to Trump in a yeah, second, Mike, Michael. Hold on. Mike, I, yeah. you know, I could give you a number of data points, but I'll give you one that's not necessarily the most important. But Donald Trump never was even elected dog catcher, yet he defeated the most powerful Republican dynasty in the country, in the in the Bush clan, and then the most powerful Democratic dynasty in the country, in the Clinton clan. Stupid people generally don't have the ability to even get elected dog catcher, let alone defeat two dynasties to become the president of the most powerful country on earth. Joe Biden, on the other hand, became senator from, from Delaware, one of the smallest states and I, look, I'll give him credit. They became senator. But show me what he's done. I mean, actually done that indicates that he's smarter than Trump. I see nothing. Michael, response? He, he conned his stupid ass for one. He's a con artist. Who, Trump? Who, who's, who, President Trump. Trump's a con artist? Trump. How many times he fall bankrupt? Uh, no, goodbye. Goodbye. Now we got to dump that, uh, which is unfortunate because I was hoping we were going to have an intelligent conversation with somebody who was trying to make a point here. Uh, so sorry about that. Um, okay, Pete, let's, let's just follow up on the part about the comparison between President Trump and, uh, and, and Joe Biden with respect to intelligence. Now, I don't know Joe Biden. I don't know President Trump. All I can do is go by what they say publicly and what is said about them by people who know them. You know both of them. You have talked to, you have testified, as you said before, Biden came away with the, not, not a high impression of his uh, IQ or his uh, mental capabilities. What is your opinion of Trump, though, from that standpoint? And, and what I mean by that is not just that he was, you pointed out he was smart enough to win, you know, election over two of the the giant dynasties on each side of the of the political aisle there. But from a practical standpoint, or from an observational standpoint, what do you? How do you evaluate his mental acuity? Let me uh, start from where I I was in the beginning with Trump, okay. Bob. As you know, back before the primaries and during much of the primaries, I was what is now considered to be a never-Trumper. I was appalled by the prospect of Trump. I probably viewed Trump the same way that uh, your caller did. Uh, I thought it would be horrendous for the Republican Party and the nation as a whole to have Donald Trump as president. That's the way I perceived Trump at the time. That was in the spring and early summer of uh, 2016, the election year. Then when he became the nominee, of course, I was going to support him over Hillary Clinton, which I thought would be a far sight worse. Having seen what Trump has done, I am elated that this guy is the president, especially at this time in our history. But let me tell you something about what I saw when I met Trump a couple of times. As you know, he interviewed me for cabinet-level positions. Um, and the first time was immediately after the election. I've told a number of audiences this. I went in not knowing what to expect from Donald Trump, but generally having maybe a somewhat negative view of him as a person, something similar to Michael. I think his, his name was Michael the Caller. Yes, it was. Um, other people I've spoken to later had the same reaction when they first meet a Donald Trump. Um, I was amazed. Um, and and <laughs> I would tell you, uh, it's not easy to amaze me. Um, I'm a labor lawyer and have been for more than 40 years. I've been a member of the National Labor Relations Board. I know I teach labor law. I know a little bit about labor law, Bob. Um, when I met with him, I was stunned at his ability to perceive and pick up things. It was really an amazing thing. And for your caller, during the interviewing process, the, one of the overriding issues for Donald Trump in terms of the economy and 
the employment rate was how do we improve the economic circumstances of the black community? He said, we have to do something about it. He said, you can't have an unemployment rate among one segment of the populace that's three to four times greater than the any other segment of the populace. It was something that uh, it struck me, the passion that he had for it, and it was genuine in my estimation. And there's nothing that he's done since then that shows that's anything other than genuine. I've said this to people, and it sounds kind of bizarre, and I'm kind of reluctant to say it, but I will because I think it's important um, because Donald Trump every single day, every single second, gets all kinds of criticism. You'll hear all kinds of negative comments. On occasion, it's important to say something positive about him. All I can say is he's a different kind of person. I've never met anybody like him. He is the quickest study I've ever met, bar none. And I've met a lot of impressive people in my lifetime. So for... People say that Donald Trump is not that smart. On a scale of 1 to 10, if I put Trump at a 9.7, I would estimate, and I don't know Biden as well, I've only testified in front of him and based on observation, it's well below 9.7. And by the way, I have not met anybody in my lifetime who I put above Trump in terms of his intelligence quotient. Trump talks kind of like a Brooklyn or, or Queens tough. He doesn't sound as if he is, you know, the erudite Oxford Don, for example. But this is a guy who picks up things and absorbs things and implements more readily than anybody I've ever met in my life. And that's my two cents on, on Donald Trump. Um, that's that's more like 20 cents, and I'll take more if you've got it, because that's important. I think a lot of people think the way uh, Michael does. And, 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 you know, Michael obviously is is one of those voters that Donald Trump appeals, or excuse me, that Joe Biden appeals to, right? I mean, because, and, and, and this is the sad part. When I said at the beginning of our conversation, Peter, that, that it's the biggest insult to the intelligence of African Americans to say that if you don't think like me and thus vote for me, then you're not really black. It, it robs them of all of their independence, all of their personhood, saying you just are part of a group that because of your skin color, you must do this and you must think like this. It's a huge insult to their intelligence. But the truth of the matter is, Joe Biden's got some people that he can appeal to with that. Michael is an example of it. He's saying, heck yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and you know, Larry Elder has a book, a movie coming out. And I don't know if you know this, a docu- documentary yep. called, I've seen uh, it. called, yeah. Oh, have you? Okay. Um, and, and he talks about Tzadol Sam, and you've talked about Tzadol Sam. You've been called everything in the book from Uncle Tom to Coon to this to that, the other thing, right? It's, it's, it's horrific. But those are the people that Joe Biden is appealing to. You know, the outrage from a large portion of, uh, the news following population after he said what he said on that radio program uh that 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 didn't cover everybody there is a a significant percentage of the black population who who nod along with him and say damn right anybody who doesn't vote for him isn't black that's why he called you the michael character said he said what he said about you he said you ain't been black since you started i don't know what he said if he said married a white woman or talked to a white woman or whatever he said um, but that's how many of them believe, uh, Peter. And so Biden, Biden wasn't exactly going on on a really far limb there because there are some who will accept that, that, that uh, status. Yeah, I mean, there is, as I mentioned out uh, earlier in the conversation, yeah, there's a significant portion of the Democratic constituency, including black people, who aren't troubled by that. Okay, more power to them. Significant portion of the black employment rate is due to employment by government for example, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You look at, you know, the various public sector unions out there, and they are significantly or significant percentage are black. There is a reason why a significant portion of the black community, other than mere inertia or not realizing what the history was, as I mentioned, with respect to those law students. But there's a reason why. There are people who actually support the Democratic agenda. I get that. I get all that stuff. The point with Biden, though, is that you have no alternatives but to think the way progressives do to, and to accept the pandering as, you know, looking out for your best interests and Republicans don't. And as I say again, over and over again, what has the Democratic Party done as Charlemagne the God asked, to advance the interests of the black community, not pander to the black community. If you like to be pandered to, fine, go ahead, cast your vote for, for Democrats. But if you're looking for results, and if you're looking for equal treatment, and if you're looking to be treated as a, an individual human being, and not some obscure member of a particular class of individuals, then at least take a look at not automatically casting your vote for the Democratic Party. And that's what a lot of people from Charlemagne the God and Candace Owens and others have been saying for quite some time. And Democrats understand that, at least the smart ones do, and it petrifies them. That's why that comment immediately, the Washington Post, if you want to know what the Democrats are up to, just watch the editorial page of the Washington Post and the New York Times. They immediately came out and tried to cover for Biden because that is... Fatal. A statement like that can be fatal to the prospects of a Democratic candidate. It is similar to Hillary's deplorables comment. So uh, Biden's got a lot of digging to do, and I think he's probably going to pick a Harris or a um, Stacey Abrams as a result. Peter, um, last thing before you go, and obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about your article in the National Review on 20 questions for Barack Obama. Maybe we can do that next time. But uh, So let's wrap it with this. Prior to the uh, economic collapse brought on by the uh, uh, Chinese coronavirus, um, blacks were cruising, and President Trump's approval rating with blacks was cruising. Uh, You mentioned the unemployment rate, an all-time low, uh, wages an all-time high for African Americans, and the approval rating was somewhere pushing up toward 40% in some surveys of black approval for Donald Trump. Now that things have shifted however because everybody you know you know a a rising tide lifts all boats while one that is uh, falling is obviously lowering everyone that means blacks are unemployed at a huge level just like whites and everybody else is now do you think that the black vote will uh increase for president obama or president trump i should say what did he get eight percent i think in 2016 he got eight percent that's right. Yeah, and you you were talking about a significant improvement over that this time around because of the circumstances, but do you think that is going to be wiped out now by the uh, uh, by the state of the economy? I think it's going to be severely harmed because Trump was making significant inroads, uh, more so than any other Republican candidate, into the black vote. Mm-hmm. As you indicated, there were polls showing his approval rating around 40 percent, uh, other polls around 30 percent. That was historic. He got 8 percent of the black vote. If he just gets 10 percent of the black vote, um, game over. No Democrat can win under those circumstances. Democrats must get, Democrats must get 90% plus of the black vote. And 
90 percent is not enough. And significant black turnout because, for example, Hillary Clinton got 92 percent of the black vote, but the turnout wasn't the same as it was in 2012. So what happens after coronavirus? You know, that's, uh, that's going to be difficult to, I think the inroads that Trump made are going to be affected by that. Coronavirus scrambles a lot of political calculations. This is one of them. I happen to do, think that he's going to do better than he did last time for a whole host of reasons, because he can say, he can point back to and simply say, look, before coronavirus, economic conditions for blacks were the greatest that they've ever been in the history of this country by far, compared to the mediocre Obama-Biden administration, for example, where unemployment rates and household incomes, household ownerships were pathetic. Um, and you can point to Trump policies specifically to show why there's been that improvement. So he can go back to that and say, look, I need more time to repair what was done by coronavirus. I can get us back to where we were before. It can, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, including black boats, too. Amen. Amen. And I, and I really hope that's the message that gets through. And you know, Biden is going to try to, as you pointed out uh, about a half an hour ago, he's going to try to uh, mi- uh, uh, minimize the damage caused by his comment by selecting a Stacey Abrams or somebody else to try to, uh, uh, to, try to keep that black vote solid. Uh, Peter Kersenow, great stuff. Thank you. Sorry we stayed on one topic the entire program, but uh, it was, it's kind of an important one. And we'll hit your uh, column next time around. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Peter. Peter Kirsten now joining us. It's 1052, final segment coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, final segment of the broadcast. I wish I had more time to dig into some of these things, but we are all slaves to the clock. We must obey it. And uh, Mike Gallagher's coming up in four minutes. Let's get a couple of calls in before we go, though. Um, Cheryl is in uh, Lakewood on AM 1420, The Answer. Cheryl, thanks for your patience. Go ahead. No problem. I, you know, I'm just heart sick listening to someone like Michael. You know, as a black Republican myself and a strong Trump supporter, it kills me to know that black voters are so blind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold someone. on. Did you just say you're you're a black Republican Trump supporter? <laughs> oh, very much so. Oh, very well, much I got, so. I, I, I've got bad news for you then. And you ain't black. <laughs> so just you know, oh just... yeah. Look, Luckily, I don't allow Joe Biden, of all people, <laughs> to determine who and what I am. And I only wish that, uh, that I hope and pray that enough black, other black voters are equally sane and, and, and thinking individuals. I mean, I just want people, I want blacks especially, to just please research Joe Biden's record. Research this man's record. He is the one who opposed busing because he did not want little black kids sitting in classrooms with little white kids. He enlisted the support of white segregationists in doing this. How on earth is this someone that black voters are now going to blindly follow and support? I don't even understand this. Well, you know, uh, you're, you're obviously an extraordinarily intelligent person, and you are also a very common, sensible person, uh, and it has nothing to do, I'm sure you realize, because of that with Joe Biden. It's the letter after his name. Joe Biden isn't saying, my record means I am great with African Americans and I have treated African Americans well. It's, I'm the Democrat, and as such, you are required, black people, to cast your vote for me. That's essentially what he's saying, sure. <laughs> And of course, he doesn't have a record of doing anything no. to support blacks. This is no, the man who no. wrote. Let me. But just he's say this got the D, and that's all it is. That's all. Well, and the other thing he has too is what 
Uh, he has a willing media uh, that is helping him paint Donald Trump as being a racist. So his comparison, when he said to Charlemagne, you know, if you're having a hard time deciding whether you support me or Trump, then you ain't black. It's it's not just I am a great champion for blacks. It's he's the big bad racist. Orange man hates black man. That's the the yes, narrative. That they he's trying paint Trump for. as a racist while Biden worked with the segregationists. Not only did he work with segregationists, right. but all of the but all of these calls for black prison for uh, by blacks for prison reform. Joe Biden wrote that bill that resulted in mass black incarceration. He wrote the Clinton crime bill. So, and, and, and the person who has been working towards reformation is Donald Trump. So all Very. of this stuff is, is just stuff that black people need to know, and they can't learn it from the media, but they Spot have on. to take the initiative. Well, you know what? And it's better even, Cheryl, that they learn it from you than from me because you, regardless of what Joe Biden says, are black. And, and for you to be willing to say this is a lot more, it carries a lot more weight than some white talk show host like me. So you keep speaking oh, out. Thanks so for your phone I call. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much, dear. Have a great day. We're out of time. Got to go. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. Enjoy the silence